You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome. My name is Joe Martino. This is The Joe Martino Show, the podcast where we deal with all things emotional, mental, and relational. Today I want to talk to you about the process of change. One of the things that I think people kind of just give up hope on is the idea that they can change, that their life can be different. In fact, a lot of times people get stuck in what we call the wheel of unchange. The wheel of unchange is a very interesting and powerful visual, and it's going to be very challenging to properly show it to you on the podcast. What I want you to do is I want you to picture a clock in your mind at 12 o'clock is the saying, I don't like my life. At three o'clock is the saying, then change your life. At six o'clock is the saying, but I don't like change. At nine o'clock is the saying, then accept and adjust to your life. And then we come back around to 12 o'clock, but I don't like my life. And then we come back to three o'clock, then change. And then we come back to six o'clock, but I don't like change. And then we come back to 9 o'clock, then accept and adjust to your life. But I don't like my life. Then change. But I don't like change. Then accept and adjust to your life. And on and on it spins. And people get stuck in the idea of processing change. They get stuck believing I'm the same. I'll always be the same. I've tried change in the past and it hasn't worked. One of the greatest gifts that a counselor can give to a client that he or she is working with is an understanding of what the process of change looks like. And that's what I want to go through with you today. What does it look like to change? Is there a process to it? Is there a series of questions that we can work through in order to properly facilitate change in our own life? And we have a couple more illustrations uh, that we want to go through. And then we're going to take some questions that have been mailed into us and answer them. And then we'll call it a day. All right, let's go back to the wheel of unchanged for a minute. People get stuck in that, right? I don't like my life will change, but I don't like change. Well, then accept and adjust to your life, but I don't like my life. And it spins on and on and on and they're stuck and they can't get out of it. So the key is then, well, what do we do? Well, there's actually two guys who did research and they came up with a process of change that you'll see a lot in different counseling models. You'll see it explained a lot of different ways. How in order to get change, do we go to change? How do we go through the process. You'll hear it a lot in uh, rehab type settings. They have different versions of it, different settings of it, but they all have the same basic strokes. So we're going to talk about those basic strokes today, not necessarily the fine strokes. Uh, There probably is some nuances that other therapists who are very good would do it a little bit different, and that's fine. Uh, This is just a way that I have found helpful for my client. The first step at 12 o'clock is the idea of pre-contemplation. Now, this person is saying, I don't have a problem. There is no problem. I don't need to change. Contemplation is a person who's saying, yeah, there might be a problem. Maybe I'll change tomorrow. Maybe Maybe I'll do something in the future. So that's at two o'clock and that's the person who, yeah, they recognize there's a problem, but they're willing to move forward. Maybe someday, as you might imagine, 
these both these phases have a lot of excuses in them. These are when you and I are stuck. We're like, no, there's not a problem. Even though there clearly is, we just tend to ignore it. Or, yeah, okay, so there is a problem, but I have a lot of excuses for why I can't do anything about it. My life's too hard. My parents don't understand me. My spouse doesn't understand me. It would cost too much, et cetera, et cetera. From pre-contemplation, we go to contemplation. From contemplation, we go to preparation. This is the person that's ready to make action. They're ready to move. They're ready to make change. They're ready to push forward and chase down change. They'll start to make plans. They'll start to make preparations. And they might even start to change, but the minute they encounter resistance, the minute it doesn't go the way that they thought it was going to go, they'll tend to run back from it, especially if they relapse off. And we're gonna talk more about relapse in a minute. What happens is, is they engage in it. Let's talk about parents. A lot of times parents will come and they'll be like, hey, I need this, this thing. I need to do this thing. And so we'll give them a strategy. We being therapists, they'll go home, they'll come back the next week and they'll be like, well, that didn't work. And I'm always kind of like, well, what do you mean that didn't work? Well, that didn't work. Okay, well, but what do you mean that didn't work? Well, I had to do it again. Okay, well, that's preparation because preparation has to lead to action, which is actually executing the plan of preparation. And so they've relapsed off at preparation. When they run into a problem, when they run into difficulty, when they encounter something that isn't working, they fall off the process. So as we re-engage the process, we come back from preparation to action. And action is actually engaging the plan. So let's say that you wanted to save $120 in a year. Well, you need to break it down somehow. So the easiest way to do that would be $10 a month. So now you have a plan, you execute the plan, you put $10 into savings in January, you put $10 into savings in February, you put $10 into savings in March, and now you're in action and suddenly something happens a new movie comes out that you didn't budget for. So you take your 10 bucks from April and you go to the movies. I know this illustration is a little bit ridiculous, but trying to keep it simple. What happens there is we fall off, we relapse off between preparation and action. After action becomes maintenance. And in maintenance is where we start to have the question of how am I doing versus what I wanted to do? What am I doing versus what the plan called for me to do, right? And how am I, how am I staying in preparation? What I often tell my clients is, is that real change occurs when we chase from preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance. And you'll notice I say maintenance twice because there's multiple questions, multiple avenues that have to be looked at in the maintenance phase. And then the challenge becomes to stay in the preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance phase until it becomes a new habit. When it becomes a new habit, you enter into the termination phase. And what that means is you no longer have to actively seek to make it a habit. It's a part of your daily life. So if we are putting this process on the same clock over top the wheel of unchange, what we have at midnight at 12 o'clock is pre-contemplation. There is no problem. I don't have a problem. I don't know why anybody's talking to me about a problem. There just isn't a problem. At two o'clock, we have contemplation, which is, yeah, there might be a problem, but I'll deal with it another time. It's out there in the future, the solution. And then at four o'clock, we have preparation. Preparation is where we say, yes, there's a problem. I'm going to change it. And this is how I'm going to do it. And then at 
6 o'clock, we have action. Action is where we start to execute the plan of preparation. We start to move into the change process. We start to do things that we believe will move us from wherever we're at to wherever it is we want to go, to that habit. At 8 o'clock, we have maintenance. Maintenance is where we ask ourselves some questions about where are we versus where we're going to be. And incidentally, I have a list of six questions that I'm going to give you in a few minutes that will help you understand where you're at in the change process, how you can move at any point forward in the change process and facilitate change in your own life. And then I, what I'm suggesting is from 8 o'clock, we go to 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock is where we have termination. We get to termination when the habit that we're seeking to incorporate into our life is actually a part of our life because we've been in preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance. Now, before we get to the questions that I have for where you might be at in the change process, I want to talk for a minute about about relapse. Relapse happens when we engage the change process and we fall off. So if we are in preparation, we start to make plans, but then we don't ever actually execute those plans. If we're in the action phase, we don't actually measure whether or not they're moving us towards our habit. We relapse off, we fall off, we stop the action maybe. And so we never actually make it to maintenance. If we make it to maintenance and we evaluate it and we're like, man, that plan didn't work, Maybe that tempts us to stop, and so we fall off and we revert back to old habits. There's a phrase that I want you to remember, and it's called relapsing up. Now, relapsing up means that we expect that there will be times that we fall out of the change process, that we step off the wheel. But when we relapse up, we step back on moving ourselves forward. So if I was in action and I relapsed out, I step back on in action and maintenance. Relapse happens. We fall off at different places all the time, but change occurs when we can take falling off, get back up, and then re-engage the process. In fact, an ancient writer once said that you will fall down seven times, but you need to get up an eighth. The idea being every time you fall down, you got to get back up. This is how we facilitate change in our life. We go through the process. No, there isn't a problem. Yes, there is a problem and I'm going to change it. Here's how I'm going to change it. I execute the here's how. I measure how my execution of the here's how is going. And I do that again. Preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance. Constantly relapsing up, believing that I can get back up off the mat, I can get back off the ground, and I can walk forward to process into the change process by relapsing up. Now, I didn't make up the phrase relapsing up. I didn't coin it. To be honest with you, I have no idea who did. I'm sure someone did. Uh, I know it gets used a lot in mental health circles in helping people who are caught in a constant cycle of poor decisions, of bad outcomes. Moving forward, okay, so, so you are an alcoholic and you want to change. Well, here's the plan and you fell off the wagon. Okay, so you relapse. Now you get to choose. Are you going to relapse up or are you going to relapse down? So if you were on the wagon and you weren't drinking, you're in the action phase and now you fell off the wagon, relapsing down would be going back to, there's no problem. I can stop drinking whenever I want. It doesn't control me. That phrase is a classic pre-contemplation contemplation phrase. So the person who was in the action phase, stopping drinking, They've relapsed down to the pre-contemplation or contemplation phase. Relapsing up would be moving into maintenance and asking themselves, why did I fall off the wagon? What happened? You'll notice their questions are about moving back into the preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance phase. You'll notice their questions are about moving back into the change process, relapsing up, going back to how do I move 
forward. And you keep doing this until the desired behavior is actually now a habit. Okay, so some six questions that I give my clients uh, that I go through myself when I'm trying to make a change, when I'm trying to decide if I need to make a change. Question number one, is there a problem? Do I have a problem? Do I need to change? Is there a problem? Do I have a problem? Do I need to change? So this is first stage one. If I answer no to this, I'm in pre-contemplation. And maybe that's where I should be. Maybe there is nothing that needs to be changed. Maybe I don't need this new habit. Question number two, am I willing to change now? If not, when? In other words, okay, if I've answered question number one, yes, there is a problem. Yes, I have a problem. Yes, I need to change. Then the question becomes, am I willing to change now? And if not, when? This is a con contemplation question, a contemplative question. When will I change? If we say, yes, I'm willing to change now, well, then we need to go to question number three, which is the preparation phase. And that question is, what do I need to do in order to change? What's the plan? This is where we lay out our plan for how we're going to change. Once we have that, we go to step number four, which is execute. Put the plan into action. Once we have the plan into action, we need to move into the maintenance phase, which is question number five, where am I versus where I thought I would be? What have I done versus what the plan called for? Where am I versus where I thought I would be? What have I done versus what the plan called for? In other words, have I put in the work? If I have put in the work, have I gotten the results that I thought I would get? If the answer is no, then we have to go back and ask ourselves, why not? Now we're back to maintenance of a different way, which is why, what's going on? What needs to change in the plan? What needs to change in the action of the plan? This is why it's preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance. And then number six, question number six, the question for termination, is it a habit? If the answer is no, then we're still in preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance. If you can't tell, I really want that phrase to get into your head. I want it to become part of your consciousness. If the answer is yes, it is a habit, then you can go into the termination phase. Then you have achieved your goal. You have reached change. It's now a habit. You can move away from it and you are good to go. You've gone through all the phases, pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, termination. And there's probably been a few relapses in there where hopefully you have relapsed up. Okay, a few words on how you can best set yourself up to consistently relapse up, to consistently move through preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance. You need three things. We actually call it the football of change because when I draw it on the whiteboard, or I call it the football of change, because when I draw it on the whiteboard in my room, I draw it so that it looks like a football. And we are going to try and draw it here in a verbal picture in your mind. So what I want you to do is I want you to draw an X uh, on a whiteboard in your mind. Or if you are not driving and you have a piece of paper, draw an X on that piece of paper and draw a straight line to the letter Y. You should have X and a Y with a line between them. Now I want you to write desired outcome across that line. The desired outcome is the definition of what you want to change. So maybe it is I want to lose 20 pounds by the end of the year. That's the desired outcome. Then I want you to draw a half moon going up from the X to the Y. So you have the top part of the football now. And I want you to write across that half moon, I want you to write necessary behaviors. Desired outcome, necessary behaviors. Someday we'll talk about how these two things have to come together 
for change. So many people, when they talk about change, all they ever talk about is the desired behavior, or excuse me, all they ever talk about is the necessary outcome. They don't actually define it very well, they don't actually talk about it very well, and they don't actually incorporate the necessary behaviors with it. So now we have X to Y as a straight line. That's the change that I'm looking for. We wanna define that, we wanna put it down to what I call boiling it down to the sap, its most simplest form. Above that, we have a half moon that says necessary behaviors. These are the things that I have to do, right? I have to eat healthier, uh, I have to get to the gym, I have to walk more, maybe swim laps, etc., etc. And then I want you to draw a half moon going towards the bottom. So X to Y, only the bottom half moon, so that now you have what looks like the outline of a football on your paper. And around that bottom line, I want you to write the words functional changes. We also call these system changes. These are the changes that you need to make to your life that are functional changes that help facilitate change. So they help you to accomplish your desired outcome, right? So sticking with the, I want to lose 20 pounds by the end of the, the year. Necessary behaviors, I need to go to the gym, I need to eat healthier, I need to walk more, etc., etc. The functional changes might be, I don't keep Oreos in my house anymore. I don't go to my favorite ice cream shop every Thursday. We're making functional changes, and that's not just removing, that would be replacing, right? So instead of Oreos, I'm going to keep a healthy snack at my house from now on. Instead of going to my favorite ice cream shop, I'm going to get up and go for a 10-minute walk with my coworker. So we have the desired outcome defined, we have the necessary behaviors defined, and then we have the system changes that we need to put in place. And so for the walk down with my coworker down the hall, maybe I set a timer on my phone, an alarm, and when it goes off, I walk down, knock on their door and say, hey, it's time for our walk. I recruit and enlist other people to work with me. Think about the person who's working on overcoming alcoholism that we talked about earlier. They're in the process of change, they've stopped drinking, and now they've fallen off the wagon as the saying goes, and they wanna relapse up. Well, they would draw from X to Y, what's the desired outcome? To quit drinking. What are the necessary behaviors? This one's pretty simple, quit drinking. What are the functional changes, the system changes? This one's a lot longer. I need to probably not go to bars. I need to get rid of all the alcohol in my house. I might even need a new circle of friends or I might need to recruit my friends to stop drinking or at least stop drinking when they're with me. Engaging in the process of change involves these three steps. Where do I want to go? X to Y. What is the necessary behaviors to get me there? And then what are the system changes, the functional changes that will make those necessary behaviors more likely to occur? Okay, we have covered a lot of ground today. We've talked about the wheel of unchange. I don't like my life, well then change your life, but I don't like change, well then accept and adjust to your life, but I don't like my life and it spins. And then we've actually talked about the wheel of change. Pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, and termination. Then we talked about relapse. Do I relapse down or do I relapse up? Then I shared with you six questions that will help you understand which phase of change you're at and then at the end here, we just talked about the football of change. What is my desired outcome? What is my necessary behaviors? What's my system changes? You might be sitting there thinking, wait a second, X to Y leaves a letter off. Where's Z? Z is very simply the time by which you want the change to have occurred. The time by which you're hoping this new habit will actually be a habit. X to Y by when. Uh, this phrase was first introduced to me in the book, The Four Disciplines 
of execution. If you haven't read the book, I highly encourage you to look it up. Okay, you can find all pictures of everything that we talked about today on my webpage, www.joemartino.com forward slash podcast. Just look for the original air date of this podcast or the title of this podcast, which is I Want to Change, How in the World Do I Do It? Just look for the podcast. I want to change. How in the world do I do it? Okay, I do want to get to a question that was emailed to me and just answer it for you. Uh, If you would like to send an email question to the show, you have two means to do that. One, you can go to www.joemartino.com, click on the Contact Me page, just fill out the information there, and we may select your question. Or you can email it directly to me at info at joemartino.com, I-N-F-O at joemartino.com. All right, today's question comes from Carson in Texas. Carson asks, My wife and I have a six-month-old baby at home who likes to be held quite a bit. We'll cry cry pretty frequently, and we tend to pick him up pretty quickly. My mother-in-law insists that we are spoiling him. Do you care to weigh in on this topic? Well, Carson from Texas, uh, thanks for writing me. And no, I don't want to weigh in between you and your mother-in-law. I'm kidding. I would suggest to your mother-in-law that it is very difficult to spoil a six-month-old. Babies under a year old are very difficult to spoil. I don't believe that we can prove scientifically in any way that they are manipulating you when they cry or that there is any detriment to picking them up, especially under one. At six months old, if he's crying, I'm assuming there's a reason that he's crying. Uh, So pick them up, snuggle them, hug them, kiss them. Uh, If they haven't gone over this with you, a great tip that I was given with one of our babies, and to be honest with you, I don't remember which one, uh, is if they're crying and you can't get them to calm down, take your shirt off. Skin-to-skin contact releases good chemicals in the brain that help the baby to feel comforted, help them feel secure. And as you know, I believe security is probably one of the things, if not the top thing, that our body craves the most in order to be healthy and well-regulated. So I am not trying to get between you and your mother-in-law, but I am on the side of, I don't know, you didn't tell me the baby's name, so we're going to call him Carson Jr., uh, little Carson. Would you call him Car if that was his name? Anyhow, I digress. Uh, I don't, you can't spoil a child that's six months old. Pick them up, hug them, snuggle them, buy one of those baby wear things, and do what you got to do Uh, By the way, if it's your first one and you're not sleeping, let me tell you that it does get easier. Hang in there. Uh, I know it can be hard. Uh, And good luck to you. Thanks for writing in. If anyone else has a question, if you have something that you would like me to address on the show, either at the end of a segment or maybe there are some questions that we're going to take an entire show to deal with, uh, please let me know. You can write me at info at joemartino.com. Go to my webpage, joemartino.com. Click on the Contact Me page. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the contact me page. Until next time, remember, change possible. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.